morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. So good to be here with you today. My name is Brett, and I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater. And we got rain again today. I just got a rain alert on my phone, and I thought, I think it rained just the other day. Every day. (laughs) The other day. (laughs) But we needed rain, so I'll take it. And then when we are done with the rain, then we won't need rain, and I'll just be happy because I can't do anything about it anyway, right? Well, it's good to be here. We are in a series in Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. If you have your Bibles, I'd love to have you turn there. Um, We've been... Two weeks in Nehemiah so far. This is the third week. And this guy, Nehemiah, uh, he was an exile from Israel. His family had been taken prisoner from Israel, and the Babylonians uh, were holding the Israelites captive. They've been there a long time. Nehemiah is somebody called the cupbearer. Now, the cupbearer back then was the guy who made sure that the king wasn't going to get poisoned. So he was like the last line of defense. He was usually a high-ranking official, but he was the guy who served drinks to the king and to the royal court. He was also the guy who tasted the drink before the king did, just in case it was poisoned. So pretty important job, but can end like that. So that was Nehemiah. That was his job. And he got a a stirring in his, in his soul that he felt like he needed to go back to the mother country, to Israel, and repair the wall around Jerusalem. So King Xerxes was the king at the time, and Nehemiah went to him and said, could we go back? I want to take a group back. And he, king, the king said, yes, you can go back. Uh, in fact, I will help you. I will give you resources you need to rebuild the wall, resources you need even for your travels. It's a long trip. So Nehemiah went back to rebuild the wall. Now, we get to chapter 3 in Nehemiah, and, and, and I, I read chapter 3. Chapter 3 is different. It's, it's a list of names that I cannot pronounce to people that I do not know who returned to a place I've never been to build a wall that was really big. And I, and I read through all these names and I think, how did they make the Bible? Um, we call them genealogies sometimes. Uh, there, there are genealogies in the Bible and Matthew 1 has a genealogy. If you're reading through numbers, they're just lists of names and I... I sometimes wonder, how did this make the Bible? Like, why, God? Why would you put, you have 66 books in the Bible, you have a limited space. How did these verses, how did Nehemiah 3 get in the Bible? But the more I think about it, the more I read it, I thought, you know, there's there's a neat lesson in Nehemiah 3, and I think if we just read Nehemiah 1 and 2, 4, 5, 6, like that, we miss out on an opportunity to learn something I think God wants to teach us. And, and, and this is it. God's ability and desire to use willing people 
not necessarily talented people. Did you get that? God uses the willing, not the talented. And I think our God has a movement in the world based not on supremely talented people, but based on extremely willing people. So let, I want to see if you can see that too. Let's, let's read Nehemiah chapter 3, <clears throat> beginning with verse 1. And there, I just want to say, there are some names I'm going to try to pronounce. I'm going to destroy them. So just laugh along with me. Um, I'll do my best. So they, they are not names like Brett or Tony or Bob. They're different. So Nehemiah 3, verse 1. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work to rebuild the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, <clears throat> building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, as far as the Tower of Hanel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zucker, the son of Imri, built, the next, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hekaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, the son of this guy, the son of <clears throat> Meshazabel, <clears throat> made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, the son of Baana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervision. All right, we're going to stop just because it's painful for me to read those names. The whole chapter goes like that, all 32 verses. But, but let's talk about what they were building. So all these people, they were building a wall. And sometimes when I think of a wall, this is what I think of. I think of a, a stone wall you know, like that, needs to be repaired, and you build it. It was not like that at all. In fact, this is what it was. This wall averaged 25 feet high, and it averaged a distant 22 and a half feet thick. So that wall, to me, that's 22 and a half feet, okay? It was this thick, four and a half miles long, this thick, and that ceiling up there, that's 22 and a half, so two and a half more feet than that high. <clears throat> 25 feet high, 22 and a half feet thick, four and a half miles long, 11 gates in the city. This was a huge project, huge project, and Probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people were involved in rebuilding this wall. We hear about them in, in chapter 3 coming from, from eight different towns, 40 different families um, that, that are listed in, in chapter 32. That's what they were trying to build. They were trying to build a wall from here to that wall up 25 feet four and a half miles long, with their hands and ropes and donkeys. <laughs> C 
crazy. And then it can't tip over. Like you can't just build something that ah, leans over and falls. Um, they have found sections of this wall. It is amazing how they built this wall. Now, they were repairing a wall, so they weren't building from scratch. King Hezekiah had built the wall before, but, but apparently it had fallen down to the point where foxes could jump over it, and it, it wasn't of any use. So that was the project. That's what they were building. It, it's, it's amazing to me. You think about how enormous this project would have been for Nehemiah. The second thing I want to look at is not, not just what they were building, but who was building? Who's undertaking this, this project? Was it masons and construction workers and people who, who just understood architecture? And, and I read the list and I don't see a lot of masons listed. In fact, let's, let, let's look. Verse 1. You know, Elishabab, or Shib, the king, the high priest, and his fellow priests. Okay, so we've got high priests, a high priest working on the wall, and we've got fellow priests working on the wall. Went to work to rebuild the sheep gate. Okay, look at, look at verse 8. <clears throat> verse 8. Uziel, um, Uz, the son of Her, Her, this guy, one of the goldsmiths. Repaired, next section. Hananiah, whatever, one of the perfume makers made repair. So you've got a goldsmith constructing the wall. And you've got a perfume maker. I don't even really know what that is. I mean, I, I understand what perfume is, but apparently somebody sits around and makes nice smelling fragrance and, fragrance and gives them to people so that they don't stink. I, I, I guess probably very needed on the wall. But he was building the wall. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Um, Shalem was a ruler of the half district of Jerusalem. Repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. I, I can hear the conversation. Somebody comes to, to Nehemiah. Hey, Nehemiah, good news. We got some more workers. He's like, all right. What do we got this time? You know, large construction workers, people who can run an excavator. What do we got? He's like, well, we've got Shelem. Okay, we'll take him. He's bringing his family. Yes, more hands on deck. How many sons does he have? Doesn't have any sons. He's got a bunch of daughters. Oh, well, how big a rock can they lift? I don't know, but he's bringing his friend. Sweet. Who's his friend? I don't really know him, but he makes perfume for a living. Wonderful. It, it's a whole list, 32 verses of people who don't appear supremely talented for the work, but they happen to be very willing. God uses the willing to get his work done. I think that's what Nehemiah 3 is reminding us, high priest, other priests, perfume maker, his daughters, just a bunch of people who, merchants are listed in here, the goldsmith listed in here, not working with gold, 
They're not making the wall out of gold. They're just making it out of rocks. That's amazing. I, I think sometimes we are programmed to look for super talented people, but God wants to amaze us with what he can do with willing people. I think I'm programmed to look for specialists with supreme talents and abilities. And, and, and God, God says, no, 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 no. I can do it with this one. I, I remember when I was in high school, I remember thinking, you know, why, why doesn't God, why won't God save Michael Jordan? He was, he was hot at the time. I was like, if God would just save, it was Michael Jordan and Michael Jackson. Why won't God, why wouldn't God just save them? Imagine the, the opportunity they would have, and this is before social media, now it's somebody else, I'm sure, with millions and millions of followers, but that was my thinking. They could have a platform, they could accomplish so much for God. But that's not the way God does it, is it? Instead, God saves people like us. Ordinary people. He's not looking for the super talented. He's looking for the willing. Why wouldn't he build a wall with just a bunch of willing people? It doesn't say, you know, there was this guy and Nehemiah paid him $1,000 a day to be there, 20 shekels of gold a day to be there, and he was the expert. And he led everybody and taught them how to build a wall and how to hang a plumb line and how to stack stones and chisel stone. None of that. It says Nehemiah had a, <clears throat> had a desire to rebuild, God's, rebuild the wall around God's city. And he said to a bunch of people, I'm going back to rebuild the wall. Come on, let's do this thing. And as people saw what they were doing, they were willing to jump in, get involved, roll up their sleeves, and do something great. Four and a half miles long, 22 and a half feet thick, 25 feet high with mules and donkeys and ropes and hands. That's amazing. But God does that today, doesn't he? With willing people who accomplish way more <clears throat> than they ever thought possible. This guy D.L. Moody <clears throat> had a desire to see all of Chicago transformed and, and revitalized. And, and he, he was a follower of Jesus, and he began to pray every day with a group of friends in a stairwell at their school that God would start a revival in Chicago. And God did. And amazing things happened. And we're, we're told that probably 40,000 people became followers of Jesus through a group of college students who started praying under a stairwell in the morning. That, that's how God does it, like, like that. It's, it's amazing to see what God can do. I've, I've seen God do this at Bridgewater. Our first campus that we launched in Halstead was, uh, was started by a commercial sewer salesman. No seminary degree, had never preached a sermon in his life. He sold septic systems 
commercial septic systems with peat moss in them. And he would fly to Connecticut on Monday morning, and he'd fly home on Thursday, and he launched a campus on the weekend. You know who started our Conklin campus was a John Deere tractor employee. You know who started our, our Tonkanic campus was a brawler who wrestled with alcoholism and had, had a dozen jobs that he couldn't keep. And God got a hold of his life and he and his wife sold everything to come to seminary because they felt like God wanted him to be a pastor. Rich Clark. That's what God, that's how God does it. Because he's looking for the willing. He's not looking for the super talented. I think sometimes we think, well, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a Bible college degree. I couldn't share Jesus. I, I don't have a, a, a degree. I don't have any formal teaching. I couldn't lead a small group. I, I don't have any training. I, I, I couldn't do that. Oh, no. We have, we have a bunch of people in the basement right now who don't have teaching degrees who are teaching our children about Jesus right now, this very moment. Because God's looking for the willing, not the super talented. The vast majority of our small group leaders at Bridgewater are not biblically trained. No, they're, they're, they're willing to build a relationship and spend some time with their friends talking about Jesus. The, the Bible is uh, full of this. In fact, I don't know, think about Gideon. So Gideon in the Bible. God shows up to Gideon and says, I want you to be a general in an army. Gideon was not a soldier. In fact, he was working on a farm. And Gideon <laughs> didn't want to do it. In fact, he fought with God about doing it. He was very reluctant, but ultimately he was willing. And God used Gideon in an, in an amazing way to, to win a battle that he probably shouldn't have won against the Midianites. Saul, Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament. God came to Saul and said, I want you to be the next king to be the first king of Israel. You know what Saul did? He hid in the baggage. He hid. He didn't want to be king. He was reluctant. But ultimately, he was willing to be a king, king of Israel. Moses. Moses is a shepherd, 80 years old, a shepherd. And God comes to Moses in a burning bush and says, Moses, I want you to be the leader of the Israelites. You're going to lead them out of Egypt. They're slaves. You're going to bring them out of Egypt. And you remember what Moses said? Whoa, you got the wrong guy. <clears throat> I've got some questions about this. I'm nervous about this. I'm a little reluctant. But ultimately, Moses did it. He said, all right. <laughs> I, I guess... Yep, I guess you want me to do it. 
I think it's a bad choice, but all right, I'm in. And God used Moses in amazing ways. Peter, a fisherman. Queen Esther, just a teenage girl who kind of got forced into a beauty contest, (laughs) ends up standing before the king and saving the Israelites, really, the Jews, saving their whole nation because she was willing. See, God's looking for the willing, not the super talented. 1 Corinthians talks about this. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, and here's what he says. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31, he says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. God loves to take ordinary people who are willing to join him on mission and help them accomplish incredible things for him. That's what he loves to do. Because he's not looking for the talented, he's looking for the willing. I, I've seen this in my own life recently. I, <clears throat> I was serving as, as Bridgewater, as, as your executive pastor, for many years, and loving it. Thoroughly enjoying it. <clears throat> and then in October our lead pastor, left. And so the overseers said to me in a meeting, Brett, will you be our lead pastor, at least for now? And i got to be honest with you, I I have never wanted the job. Didn't want it then. Still don't really want it. Um, But I'm willing. Willing to step in and do whatever God wants me to do um, for, for a time, same, the same thing here in Vestal. Saying, okay, God, I'm willing to come to Vestal and serve as an interim campus pastor while we look for God's man for this campus. I, I, I don't feel qualified. To be honest with you, I really love spreadsheets. I love analytics. I love making things better, looking at things and figuring out things data. I am not a preacher, but God's not looking for super talented. He's looking for willing. And it is amazing how God can magnify your talents and abilities and gifts if you're willing. We say things like this, you know, God, I'm you don't understand, I'm, I'm too harsh or I'm too abrasive. I can't be a good leader. God, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm too shy. I'm afraid. I can't talk to people. I can't build a wall. I don't have any calluses on my hands. I make perfume for a living. God says that's exactly 
who I want building my wall. You are exactly who I want. I wonder what that burden is that God's laid on your heart that he wants you to go after. And maybe you've hesitated. Maybe it's taking in a, a foster child. Maybe it's coaching a sport at, at your local public school. Maybe it's joining the, the uh, fire department as a volunteer fireman. <clears throat> Maybe it's walking across the street and meeting your neighbor. I, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's, <clears throat> Maybe it's inviting your neighbor to come to church with you. Maybe you should host a small group in your home. And you say, you know what? I, we need to be willing <clears throat> to have a small group meet in our home this fall. In six weeks, we're launching small groups. You don't have to have the cleanest house. You don't have to have the largest house. You don't have to have the most well-behaved children to host a small group in your home. Just as long as you can move the stuff out of the way and have room to meet. Because God's not looking for the grandest, palatious estate. He's looking for somebody who's willing. And they say, you know what, I, I can be home Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock. Yeah, we can do that. Maybe you need to lead a small group. And maybe you would say, oh, you don't understand. I don't, I don't know the Bible. Oh, you don't understand. I, I could never do that. <clears throat> I think we'd be surprised at what God wants to do through each of us if we are willing. God built a wall 22 and a half feet thick, four and a half miles long, 25 feet high, with minister, with priests. <laughs> goldsmiths, merchants, and perfume makers. That's crazy. If it wasn't God, it'd really be crazy. Peter and John were out teaching, and and in Acts 4, 13, here's what it says. Uh, It says, when the people saw the courage of, of Peter and John and realized that they were just unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note of these men, that these men had been with Jesus. Now, unschooled, ordinary men can roughly be translated idiots. (laughs) The people saw Peter and John, they heard them and they were like, this is amazing. Then they heard a little more about them and realized they were just idiots. So what school did you go to? Did you study under Plato? <laughs> no. I, I, no. I was a fisherman. <laughs> what? I'm just an ordinary, unschooled person. What? Oh, oh well, we've been hanging out with Jesus. Oh. Because we've heard he can take ordinary men and do extraordinary things. That's the God we serve. And that was the God of Nehemiah. You you may be thinking, I don't know what it is that God wants me to do. And that's legitimate. Listen to the people around you. 
What are people around you saying you should do? Oh, man, you'd be great at whatever. Yeah, but I, I don't love kids like Tina loves kids. I, I don't know. Oh, no. Oh, no, God's looking for willing. <clears throat> He's looking for willing. Yeah, vacation Bible school. I don't know if I can dress up like Chris did. Oh, no, God's looking for willing. And maybe my role is that I invite other children to come to vacation Bible school. Am I willing to do that? All I have to be willing to do is to blow the whoo-whoo whistle. I can do that. What is it that God wants us to be willing to do? That, that's really the, the question that, that I think has to sit in us. That Nehemiah 3, a list of not carpenters and masons, architects, No, a bunch of people who were willing. And I love verse 5 where it says that the nobles were not willing to shoulder the burden with those other ordinary people. Interesting. Not everybody is willing. In fact, there are some people who feel like they're a little too good for kids' ministry. A little too good to get on their hands and knees and talk to children. The nobles were a little too good to be up on that wall listening to somebody else tell them what to do. Are there any things in our lives that maybe we feel a little too good to do them? But God's looking for somebody willing. <clears throat> I think our wall is this community and the people that God has put around every one of us. It's broken. It's in need. Every house, every street represents a person. People who are loved by Jesus and need Jesus. People who need to know his forgiveness, need to know his love. That's our wall. We have a project. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could see so many lives changed by Christ in this community so many more and better disciples that it had an impact that was measurable on the suicides, on the addictions, on the divorces, on the broken homes, on the abuse in our community. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if so many people became followers of Jesus in our community that, that there was never a need that went unmet in our community? There was never, there was never a child who needed a home that couldn't get a home because God did a work supernaturally in this community through a campus like this, through people who weren't supremely talented but were really just willing. And someday if they read the book through the annals of time, they would not see a bunch of carpenters and masons. They would not see a bunch of Bible grads and seminary students. They would see a bunch of ordinary people on a list and they say, wow, God did that through this? Yeah. Really? Like, those aren't professionals. No, that's right. Yeah. Because God's not looking for the talented. He's looking for the willing.
That could be us. See, that, that would never happen if not for the fact that we have a God who does things just like that. And he does them over and over and over and over again. Just, just think about Bridgewater and a septic salesman and a John Deere employee and a, and a brawler. Just, just think about that. Think about your own life and where God has brought you from. It's amazing what God can do with the willing. Here's my challenge to us, and I have a slide to put up. <clears throat> we have a mission of making more and better disciples of Jesus. There are houses around this campus that probably do not even know we exist. And they certainly do not know that we would love to have them walk through these doors today. We would love it. We would welcome them. We would embrace them. We would say hello. We would even let them have a piece of Roman. No, we probably wouldn't. Lorraine's, Lorraine's desserts are pretty good. We would probably share them with somebody who came in. Maybe. Yeah, we would. We would. After Bob and I had some. But we, <clears throat> they're amazing, by the way. You wouldn't like them. Never mind. You, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't like them. Um, we would love to have somebody come in through, from our neighborhood. Nicole and I were driving in last week, going by houses, and, and I said to her, I, I, bet, I bet those people right there don't even know that, that Bridgewater Vestal exists. How do we help them know? We have Jesus. They probably need Jesus. I've read the, statistic, the statistics. It's probably pretty true that within the three-mile radius, most people need Jesus. So what are we going to do about it? I mean, at some point, you came to Bridgewater because we're in the business of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And we want to be a part of something bigger than us. So here, here are some ways we can be willing to join together to make an impact for eternity. This week is Vacation Bible School. You've heard a bunch about that. Will you be willing to invite kids to VBS? Will you be willing to serve at VBS? Will you bring your own kids to VBS? July 25th, there's a church picnic. An opportunity for us to have a great time together and be seen by a community that may want to be a part of something like that. July 31st, that Saturday, we're going to have a community outreach we're going to have a get-to-know-the-neighborhood day. It's an opportunity for us to be known. We're going to have a bouncy house. I love bouncy houses. I really love bouncy houses. <laughs> We're going to have food. I love food. See, McDonald's was right when they said food, folks, and fun. That's really what you need, food, folks, fun. We're going to have all three of those. Probably won't have McDonald's. But I'm sure people around here and people around you love food, folks, and fun. October, or uh, July 31st. Are you willing to invite people and to be here and to let our community know, hey, we are here. We love Jesus, but we love you also. 
We have something called Open House coming in September. It's previously known as Best Sunday Ever. And it will be a chance for us to invite everybody and their brother to come and hear about Jesus. We have something called Don't Go to Church. Be the, don't just go to church, be the church in October. You'll hear more about that. It'll be a morning when we do not have a service here, but we all go out into the community and serve our community because we love them and we want them to know that we love Jesus and we love them. In the past, uh, this campus has painted fire hydrants. Um, in the past, we've raked leaves. In the past, we've cut up trees for the community to let them know that we love them. Trunk and treat coming up. Halloween. A chance for us to invite a bunch of kids to eat candy and support their local dentists. I like bouncy houses and I love Halloween candy. Um, but another opportunity. Are we willing? Are we willing? What if God did something in, in the southern tier of New York that caused a spark that spread across the country? It would make absolutely no sense that it started in Bridgewater Vestal. It would make no sense that it started in this area, in this community, with no major political power center here. But that's exactly, that's exactly what God would love to do. That's exactly how God would do it. He probably wouldn't start in Los Angeles or New York City. He'd probably start in, uh, in Vestal, New York. Because that's how he rolls. God is, uh, God is looking not for the very talented, but for the very, very willing. Are you willing? Would, would all of our names appear in Nehemiah 3 if it was rewritten for us? Or would we end up, uh, as a footnote, the nobles refused to shoulder the load alongside of the others. I just want to take a sidebar quick and say thank you so much. Many of you shoulder so many loads. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God gets glory through that. We had three flowers a few weeks, a few weeks ago celebrating what God was doing. In we have baptisms coming up in a couple weeks. Um, to celebrate and be excited that God is on the move at Bridgewater Vessel. Let's continue that. Are you willing? Let's pray. Father, uh, <clears throat> I'm challenged to think about what you've pricked me about and what I'm dragging my feet on or what I'm not totally willing to do. Um, <clears throat> I'm also challenged about this community, about the not just the geographic area of this community, but also the people you've put in my proximity. <clears throat> and I need to be willing to do whatever it takes to let the people around me know that, that I'm a follower of Jesus. God, please, uh, <clears throat> please, please magnify the willingness of, of Bridgewater in all the communities we're in, in all, all five of them. <clears throat> Not so that we shine brighter, so we get glory, but so that you get glory. 
And God, I pray that you would continue to change lives, continue to save people, continue to move us along in our next steps, continue to grow your church, allow us to see more and better followers of Jesus. I pray for Vacation Bible School next week. Father, I, I, I ask that you would do something amazing this coming week in the lives of children. I, <clears throat> I think of the, uh, the children in kids' ministry right now at all of our campuses, and I know that they're going to be hearing about the love of Jesus, and they're going to be hearing about how they can make Jesus their leader and forgiver. And I, I pray that that would be clear, that your word would be powerful, and that you would save children this morning. Father, help us to remember that you're looking for us to be willing. In Jesus' name, amen.